Hello, and welcome to the Learn to Fly program. I'm Renee Barbo, the Practical Shaman, and this is a Community University program. And what we are is we're a heart-centered business library where you can get resources on how to grow your business. It's a monthly subscription site that you can join for free. Or if you're here, it's because you're paying the monthly basic membership. And today, I'm super excited to, and I'm going to have to stop the share. I'm super excited to have um, my friend and business associate, Jonathan Wynn with us. And Jonathan and I met oh, over five years ago when we were, when I started in the treatment business and we get along wonderful and we make a great team on events. And then today he's going to share about something that I'm not great at, but he is great at, about networking. So Jonathan, welcome. And Jonathan is a client manager, client development manager at Desert Age Project. And he can tell you a little bit more about his background. Um, well, first of all, thank you, Renee, for asking me to be a part of this. I know it's a wonderful program and you do wonderful work. And um, for anyone who, since I brought books, I don't know if it's okay to plug this or not, but no, there it is. So uh, thank you for being here, everyone. Uh, my name is Jonathan Wynn. I am the Client Development Manager at Desert Aids Project locally here in Palm Springs. And um, my background for the last uh, 10 years has been working in addiction treatment. So working for uh, Desert Aids Project has been a little bit of a, a change of gears for me working in the nonprofit world. Desert Aids Project does amazing work. Uh, we've been established here in the Coachella Valley since 1984. It was a very grassroots program that started off volunteers helping those with that were struggling with HIV and AIDS. And in 2012, we grew into a, a federally qualified health center. So an FQHC is able to help those who um, don't have, can't afford healthcare. So we don't turn anyone away. Uh, we have uh, lots of services that we offer here in the Coachella Valley for people who really need it. So it's, um, you know, when we're talking about networking with heart, it really, really helps <laughs> to work for places that are doing the work. So I know that uh, if you're, if you're on, on, on this program and you're listening to this with, you know, Renee and the Practical Shaman, you're, you're probably in that same boat. So you, you, chances are you're working for a place with integrity and that's doing the work that you feel passionate about. So I think that and, and looking at networking with heart, that's kind of the first step. Agreed. And so we talked about this a little bit yesterday because I'm really good at marketing or organizing marketing events and you're really great at the love. Mm -hmm. And I have no patience for the love usually. <laughs> so Jonathan goes to a party and everybody wants to know him and like, you know, and I'm not that, that way, even though one would think that I'm really out there and stuff like that. So the idea of being able to network in business is a whole different uh, ball of wax than, than being good at marketing or being good at any other particular skill. And yet, if you want to grow your heart-centered business, you need to uh, be able to go into a crowd where, there's, where you don't know anyone and leave with business cards and friends. Right. Well, and you know, when we, we spoke a little bit about this uh, yesterday and we talked about, you know, things that we would talk about, talk about today, I, I feel like 
it's important to know yourself. I think going into any kind of a networking environment, it's really important to know what your strengths and your weaknesses are. So um, I brought you know, something that I've, I've used is uh, Strength Finders, which is a really great resource. Um, and I'm sure you can uh, put that on the website or some sort of a link so you can kind of get an idea, read a little bit about it. But it'll basically tell you where your five, top five strengths are and you can kind of uh, align with what you do well. So another thing that we talked about was, you know, personality tests. So I'm, I'm really big on knowing what uh, your Myers-Briggs or any other personality test, uh, what that says about your personality. So for me, what I found is that I am an ENFP, which basically showed me that I fall right in the middle of introvert, extrovert. And I think when people know me or they see me you know doing my thing at a, at a networking event or even socially the assumption is made that i'm just always that guy always you know friendly and hugging everybody or whatever but the reality is that takes a lot out of me and so i think going into a networking event it's important since i know that you know it takes a lot of my own personal kind of alone time to recharge those batteries so that I can show up, you know, let's say, you know, Monday morning, 8am for my first appointment, it takes a day or two of me being alone and centered and you know, meditating and some of the practices, you know, doing wind work, whatever it is for, for you, uh, you know what your limits are. So, um, and, and doing some of that internal work, you know, whether that's, that could be step work, that could be, you know, any, any different modality that resonates with you, uh, uh, going into it, knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are really important. So you had mentioned that you and I work together well. We work together well because my weaknesses are your strengths. So when I can go into a room and say hi to everybody, and get business cards, um, you're really good about organizing those business cards, finding out where that, particular contact might fall into the bigger picture and then doing all the follow-up. That's not my strength. So it doesn't mean that I don't do it. It just means that I have to focus more energy on doing those things when walking into a room and talking to everybody comes very naturally. So exactly. And, 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 you know, but there's also the, the shadow side of that walking into the room and knowing everyone and, and things like that. It's, it's, and, you know, we've talked about that as well, whereas all of a sudden it's like, for the longest time, and, uh, you know, this is a, a, a kind of a situation, I'm there like, well, God, does he really even like me? <laughs> and then so we, our relationship and our friendship has developed over there. So it, I think that understanding that we have public personas, and so many people who have big public personas, like someone like myself, or someone like you, does require that downtime. And I think that's a really, really key point here and not maybe not everyone knows what the Myers-Briggs is so why don't we talk about that just a little bit about what those what what those tests tell us about ourselves well and there's a wide range of them Myers-Briggs is just one that that I particularly like I've taken it so many times now that um, I, I always like to retake it every year or so just to kind of see if it's changed for me and it and it never does it always kind <laughs> of the same thing that um, um, I can be very, very outgoing, but then, you know, just as much time as I spend kind of being on, I have to spend an equal amount of time not being on, whether that's, you know, taking a walk with my dog or, or just kind of getting caught up on, um, you know, television or whatever. It's like that, whatever it is for you that, uh, you know, recharges your batteries or uh, makes you feel a little bit more grounded and centered. I do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of meditation. I do 
uh, you know, a lot of reading. I'm a reader. So like that, those are the things that relax me. And I think that it surprises people that, that that's part, a big part of my personality. So <clears throat> Strength Finders is also very good. I like this book because it, um, it, there are no weaknesses. It just basically talks about your top five strengths. And when I took the test for the first time, it was actually at a work event. And I was, it was, I was kind of moved to tears how accurate it was for, for me. So my top five strengths are connectedness, ideation, positivity, intellection, and empathy. So I think that as you go through and you get to read a little bit about all of those strengths, you, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, it also helps, you know, so I learned what these, I bought these one Christmas for everyone I knew. And because <laughs> I, I wanted to know what other people's strengths are. It helps to know what opens people's doors. You know, I, I, I always try to imagine uh, when I'm meeting with someone is that they have a little door on their forehead and I have this information, whether it's about Desert AIDS Project or something that uh, you know, I'm working on personally, I imagine that there's this little door on their forehead and my goal is to open the door. That's different for everybody. Some people are very direct and don't like a lot of like fluff in that conversation. So, you know, someone like yourself doesn't, you know, tell me what I need to know. Tell me what, you know, what, what is it, what's going on and leave it at that. Other people require a little bit more massaging. So you, getting to know what opens people's doors, for me, has been key in um, meeting people where they're at and, and you know, ultimately dropping whatever, you know, ultimately my goal is to get my information in that door, however I need to do that. So it helps to kind of check your ego at the door. It's not about me, it's about getting this information in Renee's little door. So I know what opens Renee's door and I, and able to communicate whatever I need to communicate to you. So that helps. So it's just like two lines and meeting noon, Tuesday, no fluff. <laughs> no fluff, no fluff, no, you know, how was your weekend, Renee? Renee doesn't care. <laughs> What's going on? You know, so, uh, it, you know, that's an, it's an important piece. You know, a lot of networking is meeting people where they're at. That's kind of the goal is to be able to walk into a room of providers, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, be able to walk into that room and able to have a communication with everybody there. You can also walk into a room of, you know, sports fans and be able to find a connection there too. So I think that's ultimately what makes a good networker somebody that can uh, find commonality with, with anyone. And I, I do find commonality, but I don't know if it's that I come in with my intuitive skills and just you know, find that place where there's something in common and I just can hone right in on that. But I know that I could use more of, of what you, you have. And, and so, and I'm sure sometimes you feel like, well, I could use a little more of what you have as well. Sure. So, so this idea, so is this strength finders is, is there a quiz online we can take or something like that? Or is, how well, do you, when you buy the book, there's a code in the back and then you go into their website and that's where you take the test. You take the test online and then it breaks down your top five strengths and then you have the book to go back and read through and learn a little bit about each one. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah. Another topic we talked about is that because you were just saying about how much time you need alone and stuff. So you're planning ahead for the opportunity. We were talking about like, you know, really scheduling out these networking events or who you're going to be meeting or I've actually done research on people like when I'm looking for a radio show or something to be on it's not enough to just write somebody and tell them I want to be on your radio show I actually listen to their radio shows 
listen to their style of interviewing and and you know see how I can be of service to them before asking them what they can do for me and I and I know you do that so let's talk about how you prepare for an upcoming meeting say with a doctor well, I'll, I'll give you an example. So uh, we have here in the Coachella Valley an addiction conference called West Coast Symposium on Addictive Disorders. And it's a, it's a big deal. It's one of the top uh, addiction conferences in the country and it takes a lot of preparation. So the company I was working for, there were people that were in charge of making sure that the booth was set up and that little tchotchkes were, were prepared and, and made and branded and all that stuff was done. So uh, for me, it was, you know, my job was to show up and to, you know, on. So the person that we were working with at the time, um, she did everything very well, but she did everything very last minute. So I had to explain to her that I, I, I realize that your job is, is crazy and there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of balls in the air. But what I need to be effective at my job is to for these things to be done a day ahead of time. So I can't be run, 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 get everything set up and then throw the tablecloth out, put all the stuff out. And now she can go relax because now her job is done, but now I'm exhausted and now I have to try to be on for everybody there and be present. Um, so for me, a, a lot of it is preparation. So knowing that I am really going to have to be relaxed and comfortable uh, at least a day, maybe even two days before a big conference like that um, means that I have to make sure that everything is done uh, well in advance of that day. Of course, things pop up and you know, there's not a lot of control over that, but my goal is to be as prepared as possible for uh, uh, a, a day or two before the conference starts so that when, I'm, when, when the conference starts or when you know, this big event happens, I, I show up and, I, and I'm there for people and you know, making sure that I'm not glistening. You know, if there's a term in the LGBT community where people are glistening, that's like gay listening, where you're talking to somebody, but you're kind of always looking over their shoulder about who's coming down the row. <laughs> so, you know, I'm guilty of that. Every, everybody I think is guilty of that in some ways, but it's, you have to make a conscious choice to be in this conversation, to be in this vertical access of being and not linear. So it's a matter of, you know, giving somebody the respect of your attention and your eye contact. And, you know, sometimes that's hard to do <laughs> for, for me. And, uh, but, you know, we make it a point to not do that stuff. But uh, being prepared, I think, is really a big, a big piece of that. And, and knowing what you need to go into that is, um, is, is crucial. And I think that that's a really good point. There's a difference between a vertical and a horizontal access and networking. And if anyone goes to Jonathan's Facebook page, and he you will see like people love 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 to have their picture taken with jonathan yeah. and, ta and tag him i mean he is like he's like at the conference it's like oh my god i got my picture taken with jonathan you're like, crazy you're insane it's That's just the truth <laughs> it's vertical i mean because i talk about this vertical access and relationship to shamanism a lot and you know so i, I think is that's an interesting thing that there might be this uh, the same idea of this God connection, this presence that you bring into a networking situation where um, that's true. You know, one of the things when I give tours of Michael's house or something, what I get a lot is like people come to give me, show a tour, and I bring them to the, the admissions people, per se. Within two minutes, they haven't asked a single question about our program. They're spouting out about what they offer 
you know, and, and so like there's no, there's no vertical access, there's no connection and it's already horizontal and spread out because it's like you turn off listening you know, when I'm driving around, I want to know who you're, I'm more impersonal, like who's your family, what you do, you, did, you know, and, and maybe that's not the right way in either, you know, where's the, where, how do you find that common denominator? And you and I both know we've talked about this to find that common denominator and then close the sale. Yeah, closing the sales where the rubber meets the road. So of course, you know, in doing tours and going back to what you were saying, I think that Again, a lot of that work is done for me in advance. So uh, when people come to Desert Aid's project for tours, um, I always start them out at the welcome desk and I always start it off the welcome desk because it's always manned by volunteers. Our volunteers are the reason why DAP is able to function. They're just the most outgoing, amazing, giving souls in the Coachella Valley. So you can't go wrong when you start off with that kind of introduction to any kind of program. So I have already gone through the office. I've already gone through and made sure that every one of the people that I'm going to introduce my tour to, they, they know me. They, 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 when I see them in the hallway, I give them a hug. I make sure to, you know, brighten their day a little bit if I can. And, and, and that, that foundation is set so that when I'm walking a tour around, I'll give Curtis a hug. I'll give, you know, that's just kind of the way it is every day. And I think that, uh, an effective tour of a facility includes what the day-to-day -day is for the facility. So, you, you know, when I'm walking a, a tour through, it's not unusual at all for, you know, Joe, the security guard to walk by and say, Hey, Jonathan, you know, and, and cause that's what happens there. And I think that it gives a really good impression of what life is like at DAP. So, and that's been true at every facility I've worked at tours, I think really are crucial to, um, showing, you know, when I worked in addiction, it, it was about people needing to kick the tires and kind of look under the hood a little bit. And, you know, if everyone just sits stationary and has no kind of conversation, and it isn't real, then they're not going to get an effective look at what is really happening at that facility. So um, a lot of that work is also done in advance. So, you, you know, it's important to have those relationships. You know, I, I didn't feel comfortable giving a tour at Desert Age Project for probably six weeks until I could establish the relationships with the people that were going to, you know, see me on the tour. So um, I thought that that was really kind of an important piece of, you know, important piece of the puzzle for people to kind of get a true feel of the facility. So that's an, that's an important, definitely an important piece. So if you were, so say like we have some people who are listening to this who are selling a service, like, and it's not like I can't take, I can't take somebody to my, um, the inside working of my online course, but yet I still need to network and, you know, networking on maybe, and, and I know this isn't quite what we're talking about, like, but social media, how do people, how do you, how do you make your friends feel important on social media or the people you're connecting with? Well, I think that the strength that, that you bring to the table, Renee, is that you're very passionate about what you do. So it's when you have those, uh, those feelings of what my work is, is important. I'm, I'm bringing a lot to the table. We all have moments of, of doubting those things. And I think that it's easier for somebody like myself who works in a larger in program. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of, you know, I can walk down the hallway and see the work that we're doing. I can see our patients in, in the hallway and say hello to them. When you're kind of, you know, 
isolated a little bit in your work, it's, it's harder to do that. It's harder sometimes to see kind of, you know, what you do day to day and how it is affecting people's lives. So my hat's off to people like you who continually show up and continually uh, have, have passion that, that you can feel from them about what they do and what they're bringing to the table. So it's difficult. And I feel like that's, you know, a big challenge of people who, who do the work that you do. You know, I've been seeing the same spiritual teacher since 2008. And, um, and same, same goes for, for that situation. You know, I, I'm continually asking her, how are, how are you doing? How are you, are you taking good care of yourself? Because, you know, you're, you guys are givers and you're always constantly checking in on others. And, you know, it's, it's a challenge. It's, it's really a challenge for, for people that don't, aren't able to get that immediate kind of gratification of this is the work that I do. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, there's a question about, I, the question is, it, uh, is it closing the deal easier when we are authentic? No, closing the deal is hard always. I mean, there's no easy way to close a deal. And, and Jonathan and I have had this conversation about this. Is like some people are transactional. Like if there's not a transaction in this deal for them, they're not there. We tend to be more on the heart space where we're givers and so we're walking our talk as givers. So when you're walking your talk as givers, it's like, I mean, and, and I just want to say, it's like somebody said to me today, oh, well, I can't take your class because blah, 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 blah. And it's like, so there's room in my, my scenario to be more frustrated with people like, you know, like I keep giving, I keep giving, I keep giving. Why aren't you giving back? Why aren't you taking the class? You know, where is that meeting place? So I think in, in really closing a deal, it's a whole different thing. Like I do it really well in events. Like I have no problem calling up a sponsor for an event and saying, Hey, Hey, I just got this great coffee cup sponsorship. You know, you can't be at the event, but I could put your logo on everything. And it's because I built a relationship in a different way. They know that I'm not going to ask about Saturday's lunch. They know I'm going to call up and probably twist them around a different way, honestly, and, and say, Hey, let me give you this kind of a deal and, and I can close that deal. It's harder to close my own personal deals. Well, and you know, and everybody's different there, Renee. So it's important, you know, when I worked in addiction treatment, you know, uh, there were, there were places I worked for that when it turned more into, cause it's a business. I mean, that's, right. that's reality. You know, when you, when you go into these positions, you know, yes, yeah, so everyone would love to believe that, you know, we're just altruistic and whatever, but ultimately, you know, we want to keep the lights on and keep patients coming through the door. We've got to make money. And, and that's the only way to do it. So you, you, when you look at it from the lens of the, the business, it, it tends to be a little bit easier to ask for the sale. I ask for the close, ask for the business, you know, to follow up, to ask questions like, you know, if this isn't something that you feel like you can do at this, at this time, can you give me a couple, who, who, who do you think would benefit from this and be able to follow up with them? Um, sounds hard to do and it is, but it's, you know, when you look at it from a business perspective, it makes it a little bit easier. Now, the caveat to that is, you know, it can't just be a business, you know, it doesn't, you have to have some heart and some soul in this, at least in what, what we do to, for it to work. So there were situations and, you know, we won't name any names, but I worked for a facility that it became a business. It was only a business. And if, you know, somebody, they could get some money from a client, they were going to do that, whether that was an appropriate client for our facility or not. And, I, and that's when you have to make those hard choices and, and go do 
go work for somebody else or go do something else because it's just not in line with the trajectory of your soul. And, and that, those are hard decisions, but sometimes they're not hard decisions. It's, I made that decision on a Sunday and left that job on a Monday. And that is just kind of what you do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's different when those two worlds are, are, are the same. So for you, you know, it's a heart business, it's a soul business, it's a resonation business, but it's a business. And, it's, and it's, it gets frustrating to have to try to switch those hats over. Uh, like that. So I, again, it's, it's not, it's not easy. It's a little bit easier when, you know, you're working in a larger, you know, larger business, you know, uh, we're a nonprofit, but we're a large nonprofit. So um, there are oftentimes it, you know, it, it, it has a little bit of that uh, corporate structure, but everyone, at least in my situation, so many of the people I work with are, are doing this, they can all make more money working else but they all do this because they, they we love our clients we love our patients we love what we do i love that that's that's and i know for sure that that's truly your authentic self i remember you saying this isn't in harmony this isn't in resonance anymore i'm out of here what about elevator pitches do you have an elevator pitch um so uh, yes of course you know it's it's uh I, I feel like the elevator pitch should be divided into three parts i feel like there should be like the 30 second what is typically an elevator pitch but then i feel like there should be like a one minute and then there should be like maybe a three minute so i i was working with somebody who kind of was like you know what do i do how do i how do i get started in this and i had them write it out so that they could practice it because this person struggled a little bit with getting very nervous so you know when they passed the microphone around it one of those networking events, they were, you could, you could hear the nervousness in their voice. And I said, well, you know, you'll feel more comfortable if you just memorize it and know it. And that doesn't mean you don't go off script. That doesn't mean you don't sometimes change it out based on who you're speaking to and you know what that sounds like. You know, I, I have to tell you with uh, Desert Age Project, I don't, I don't have kind of a written formal script because we do so much. You know, I, you know, in, in my position, um, I'm really working on trying to get our behavioral health department kind of more well-known. So I, you know, sometimes I'll go into a, an addiction uh, networking event and talk about, you know, the services that we offer in our behavioral health. A lot of people don't know that Desert AIDS Project does that. You know, when I go into other events, we had a, a, a hepatitis forum. We talk about our infectious disease program. Our infectious disease program is easy to talk about because it's one of the best in the Coachella Valley. So it's, you know, there are so many avenues to go in an elevator pitch with, with Desert Aids Project, it's kind of hard to land on one thing. But yeah, you, you, you definitely have to have that, you know, especially I think in the beginning, when you're, when you're first starting out, you know, you want to write out, you know, what, what you want to talk about with, with your facility. What are, you, what are their strengths and weaknesses? When I was working on uh, putting together the tour of DAP, I went through to, you know, community health and I asked, you know, the director of community health, you know, hey, if, I, if there were two or three bullet points that you would, you, you know, if I'm bringing a tour through, what can we, you, you, they have to know this. What are those things? And, and so I made sure that I, you know, hit on, hit on those things when I was walking through that department because that's what they want the, the community to know about. So um, it's a lot of collaboration and a lot of, you know, working with your team. And, you know, if you work at a facility, you know, you're going to, find out what your facility does well. If you're working with the LGBT community, well, find out what, what, what specifically are we doing for the LGBT community? What events are you involved in? What, you know, what books are they working on? What's the treatment modality that works? So you have to know those things so that you're able to you know, speak effectively about it. That's so true. It's, last night I was at a dinner and um, 
of this other author said to me, so who is your ideal client to read your book? And it was like an elevator pitch I hadn't practiced. <laughs> and it happened to me. So there have been a, a, a time recently I was at, you know, sometimes the lines are blurred. I do a lot of, of social events and sometimes you, you know, you forget I'm kind of working. And so then somebody came up to me and said, you know, well, tell me a little bit about what you do at DAB. And I, I think I came out with director or something. I my title. I was like, wait, what am I? A client development manager. That's it. And they were, they looked at me kind of crazy. I'm like, sorry, I just had to switch gears there. And most people understand that. So it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> so the, the next question kind of falls into uh, what we, what we talked about is so, you know, I'm not great at small talk. You're way better at small talk. Uh, but, you know, when you go into like a situation where uh, that you don't know anyone in the room, you know, that you just are now like at a, a dinner table with, you know, 10 people and you know none of them, you, where do you start the conversation? How do you get out from that comfort zone? and move beyond that? I mean, that's just such an ongoing question. It's an ongoing question. And it's, I think, probably the $64,000 question. I think that when you walk into an event and you know no one, everybody scans the room looking for that one familiar face. And then when you see that familiar face, you, you beeline over there to just kind of have that, have that uh, comfort. Um, and, and, you know, it's hard. I think that's hard for everyone. I think that there isn't anyone out there who, whether it's in a social situation or in a work situation that walks into, feels like the first day of school and you don't know anyone and, you know, the monkey mind is going talking about like, oh, no one's going to talk to me and I'm going to stand here and I look very unprofessional. And, you know, so for me, I look at those opportunities as, you know, where your comfort zone ends and just over that line is where growth happens. So like that's, you know, those, those times are hard and you just, you, you show up and, you know, you be very conscious, you know, again, always instead of looking for somebody to introduce them, I am not a big fan of, of rolling in hot with a business card. I'm more about, you know, just introducing myself as Jonathan and, you know, wow, I don't know anyone here. This is, you know, this is great. This is an opportunity, you know, you know, talk, you know, start a conversation that way. Um, for me, when I'm at a, t at a dinner event and there's a table, any pause in the, if there's not somebody speaking on a podium, I, I will absolutely get up and walk around to the other side of the table and just introduce myself. Uh, it's, it's easier for me because there's no expectation that I'm going to stay long. So it's not like I'm walking up into a two person conversation and just kind of like waiting for an invite into that. You walk over, you say, hi, you kind of go around the table a little bit, just introducing yourself again. I don't necessarily always roll in hot with a business card, but sometimes I always have them in my badge. I'm wearing a badge. I always have business cards inside there. So it's very easy. I'm not having to dig for it. Um, so, you know, again, these are, that's the hardest part. That's, that's really where it's difficult, you know, walking in and having all those insecurities. Everybody has them. You have to know that, you know, whatever you're feeling, they're feeling too. And um, I think that I have found that people are generally nice. People, are, people understand that you're in that situation and will be very friendly. And, you know, I, I go in there very, 
for me, I think of it as being very humble. And sometimes I'll even say, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I, don't, I can't believe I don't know anybody here. You know, I'm not used to that. And, and people will laugh at that and, and like, oh, that's okay. You can hang with me. And, you know, the flip side to that is you have to be the person who puts your arm around the new person and says, it's okay. Let me introduce you to some people. What do you, tell me about your company. Like, who, who do you need to be? You know, and, and you just kind of start from there. And you know me, that I'm, I'm totally that guy. <laughs> And I'm that way too. One of the things that I've found working in a situation where I don't really know a lot of people uh, is that, first of all, if I th it, there's this, this, this thing with addiction is called terminal uniqueness. And so whenever I think that like I'm, you know, the only one there who doesn't know anyone or, uh, you know, that, that I don't have anything to offer to the conversation, it's self-centered and it's all about me as opposed to you know, what can I contribute to this situation? What can I bring to this situation? And one of the things they say, great networkers, which I am a good networker at some levels. So um, I, I always connect people to other people. And you do that as well. That's just something naturally. It's like, oh, you need to meet Jonathan, who's blah, 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 blah. And that's such an easy way. If you met somebody who knows someone, and then you can refer them on to someone else. You just made an even stronger bond with people when you showed, oh, you don't have a, a you don't have a children's program. Well, let me send, let me meet you with this person over here. And then you start to find the commonness instead of our terminal uniqueness, which is a, one of the isms of uh, addiction or the byproducts of adult children and things like that is that we think we're different and we're not. For sure, and that's a wonderful trait. And, and, and honestly, you are very good at that. Not only are you good at that, but you're also very good at seeing things that are from a, from a different perspective. And I, I feel like you connect dots very well. So when somebody is talking to, to you about a problem, it's, it's easier for you. And I, know, I only know a handful of people that I feel like are really good at this, but you can kind of see the problem and the solution in kind of the same picture. So you're able to kind of connect a lot of dots for people and make it very smooth. I feel like you get frustrated when people don't see the same connected dots, but I don't, you know, people who have that gift, it's like creative people. Creative people can walk into a, a room and say, oh, that sofa should go there, or the, that wall should be this color. 95% of people don't have that ability. So like, I don't have that ability. So when somebody says like, oh, you should do this, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, but, um, but yeah, no, it's an, it's an important piece. And it, you, nothing builds trust more than wanting to help another person kind of establish a connection. Um, for me, I, you know, I, I, we can speak this language about, you know, kind of reading people's energy and kind of getting a feel for them without having to 100% know them. You get a feel for who they are as a person. You get a feel for uh, what they're feeling and what they're bringing to the table. And then you can feel comfortable referring somebody like, you know, when you have those relationships and you've you've done a little bit of that work, uh, it's 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 easy to refer people and to help connect people because you know that everybody's in this for the same, uh, ultimately the same reason. Absolutely, and then there. Some, the, what we're going to finish up with is the follow up afterwards. Uh -oh. One thing when I was just selling the conferences, I realized that boy, if I wasn't using my Salesforce and I didn't go in and put down every little last note about what the business was, what they're selling, what I told them that they, I promised them, uh, mostly what I promised them, I, I would lose the, because we're talking about a hundred vendors, not just me, you, or the four of us, five of us here, is so you have to, you have to be as dedicated to the follow-up. 
follow-up is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, the follow-up is, is, is super crucial. And it's what I'm not the best at. So it's it, not only is it important, but it um, isn't my strength. So I have to focus even more attention on that. And we spoke yesterday about always having a Sharpie, fine point Sharpie with me when I'm at a conference, because if I get a business card, I absolutely, as soon as it's not awkward for me to be writing notes on a business card when I've just had a conversation with somebody. As soon as it makes sense for me to be able to turn around, grab my pen, write, you know, need to send an email on Monday about this because you think you'll remember, you never remember. You, you see the business card, you look at it and you say, oh, who is that? I, I should remember this. I remember the name. But if you write a note, you know, this person said you look like, you know, whomever, you know, like that for me will trigger, oh, okay, that's who that is. And then I can know that. Now, when you mentioned Salesforce, Salesforce is, is a, a, a software that uh, marketers uh, and outreach people tend to use. There are others, there's HubSpot, there's a few others that, that work also. And I'm a big believer in, in those. I'm a big believer in them because when you use them effectively, you can set up, you know, uh, touch points down the road that come up automatically so you you know two weeks touch base hey saw you met you a week ago met you two weeks ago and then it makes it a little bit easier however i have seen people be very very effective at having ziploc bags and business cards in those ziploc bags those ziploc bags have been divided in territories i had a networking dinner that i was putting together in orange county with a colleague of mine who you know and i our uh, our boss at the time said you know that they wanted to get something specific so it was they wanted specific providers so it was they didn't want a lot of marketers they wanted you know a psychologist psychiatrist that we could uh, we could speak to and in a specific geographic area specific you know it was a, it was a it was we kind of felt like they were asking for a needle in a haystack a little bit and uh and we didn't have a ton of time to do that but she had already divided into territory and <laughs> by occupation uh so she whipped out a stack of business cards <laughs> made some phone calls and it was very effective so i think that you have to find your system and and whatever that works for you if it's a rolodex it's a rolodex if it works it works obviously you want to back stuff up and make sure that you know nothing gets lost but at, this, on the, at the same time, you know, I have a box downstairs of, of business cards, you know, that I don't get rid of. And I go through from time to time when people, you know, there's attrition, there's people change jobs. So, you know, you want to keep it as up to date as possible. But I've got a, I've got a book of business cards that are my kind of go-tos. And um, I know that's old fashioned, but it's, it's, what, it's what works. The other thing is you can do is for those people who don't have a, a, a contact management system, when I was taking a course on um, how to how to launch a bestseller, it was they had like write down all the radio shows, write down the contact, write down the email in an Excel spreadsheet, and then make columns for first contact, second contact, third contact. Because if you just contact somebody once, chances are you're not you're you know there's, you're just going to get lost and you're going to be the the needle in the haystack. And the other thing that I really, over the last few years, really learned to use is my phone, yes. like my calendar, like, okay, reach out to so-and-so on this date. Now, there's like somebody, like a friend of mine will say, oh, no one calls me. Well, trust me, as a, as a marketer, as an event planner, as a, they're not going to call you. You've got to call them. You've got to call them 
And again, when you think that they don't want to hear from you and you're making it about you, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with a number of different factors. Now, I take away that, like when people just, hey, I'm at a new facility now and blah, 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 and they puke it all over my phone, it's like delete. So, you know, and, and so I, there's that, you have to have those relationships. The relationships are key. Key. Well, and a couple of things. So, you know, I feel like it's really important as a, a networker or an outreach person to have a business plan. So uh, I, we could probably do a whole hour on how to structure a business plan in terms of touch points, in terms of vertical markets. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different things to look at that really help structure your, the way you go out and approach the, the market. So like that, that's a whole separate kind of topic. But um, Can we do that topic? We'd love to have you back to do that topic. I, I would be happy to do that. Having okay. a business plan, you know, uh, when I when I started with, with Desiree AIDS Project, when I was interviewing, I really wanted the job. I had gone to the Steve Chase Awards, which is a, a local uh, a fundraiser for Desert AIDS Project, and I saw how the community had embraced this, this, this nonprofit, and this nonprofit was kind of helping, you know, the LGBT community, but also the, 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 the underserved community of, of the Coachella Valley. So, and I just saw how much love they were giving. And I said to myself and to the universe, uh, hey, if I ever get an opportunity to work there, I'm gonna do it. And it wasn't long before that opportunity opened up and, and I was able to interview for a position. Uh, so <laughs> in my second interview, I put together a business plan. I put together a, a marketing plan that uh, looked at, you know, kind of what my first touch points would be, what my second touch points would be, what my vertical markets would be, how I would approach that, what geographic approach I would take, and, and how I envisioned uh, this role. And, um, and, I, and I feel like it really helped kind of help them understand that I wasn't just kind of going to run out and pass business cards out, that I actually had uh, a plan here and that, that I, I felt like it was a plan that made sense with the specifics of what they were looking for. So um, being prepared like that, I think is really important. And, 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 you know, going back to what you were saying, it's, you know, it just makes your life a lot easier, you know, utilizing the tools that you've got and your phone and, and doing all that. Now, is it easier to reach out to people when you have a reason? For sure. So I'll put together a, a you know, something marketing wise. Now, again, Desert Ace Project has a lot of different programs. So I can put together something on behavioral health that people don't know that we have. So I, that gives me another reason to walk into places. So, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier that way, but you get creative with it. You get, you know, uh, comfortable with walking in with something that might, you know, wasn't necessarily your first option to talk about, but it gives you a reason to walk in the door and the rest is just you. Well, great. Well, hopefully we can get you back soon to talk about this business plan because I'm looking at the comments and the questions. Uh, is there any other questions? Because I know Jonathan has a networking lunch to attend today. <laughs> uh, did we miss anything? I think we went over. We went our strengths and weaknesses, the opportunities, um, when we don't know anyone, following up afterwards. And people can find you on Facebook. And he is a member of the Win Clan, so you can find him there as well. Gladly. And and well, I'll, I'll add you to community you in case people have more questions for you afterwards about that, if that's okay. okay and, and then uh, I think that was like a really good overview and a good start. And it makes me remember, I did take a class on how to launch a bestseller. And lo and behold, I followed every little step in there. And what did I do? I launched a bestseller. So training is key 
that's why we're going to continue these community U programs this year and, and hopefully beyond because we it's, we need to be remember we need to be reminded constantly of these steps. So what if leave us with one thing that we can do this week that we can do to improve our networking skills. Hmm. What I would recommend is goal setting. Set goals, set measurable and specific goals for yourself. I use the term measurable and specific all the time and that comes back to Cohen Brown training and management. But for me, uh, saying I wanna see more people is, is way too, too broad. So I would set it, if, you, if you're doing networking, say I'm gonna set a goal where I'm gonna make 10 solid new contacts this week, 10, and, and, and write them out. Write out your goals, and that's a that's an important piece of the day. Another thing that's you know kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, I so this is the this is the shaman's cave area, so I can speak about a little bit of this. But I try very hard to not let my false egoic self get out of bed in the morning. So I say no to that person because we all have that person. That person stays in bed. I get out of bed with just me and being present and asking for, you know, guidance and what uh, my day is going to look like minus my false egoic self. So I think that um, approaching the day in the morning from a perspective of gratitude and a perspective of humility and, um, you know, positivity, making good things happen for the day, I think is really important for me. Big part of, big part of what makes, I think, uh, my day successful. Well, that's great. Um, I really want to thank you here for being here with us today at um, Community University. And I think I answered all of the questions for people. And I'm going to put that back up there. So a community university, so you can see what that is. And Jonathan, I want to thank you. And I'm so glad you're part of my inner circle and my friend and wise. You're one of my dearest friends, Renee. It's an honor to be here with you. And um, anytime you want me back, just let me know. Soon, we'll, we'll schedule it. We'll get it in that, uh, we're gonna get it in the follow-up calendar. Okay, sounds good. So th thank you everyone and stay with us in communityuniversity.com. Uh, join us. All right, have a great day. Have a great day. Stop recording.